Ok. Cool. How are you all doing? That's good. God bless you, John. When we put ourselves into a position to give to God, we by default put ourselves in a position to receive from Him. So that was really cool this morning. You don't need a sermon to receive, do you? You just need to have an open heart. We can really receive from God anytime. We can receive from Him in the middle or even at the start of worship if we allow ourselves. Okay. So today... See if I can get this first go. Can we have it up the on the screen? Ha! Oh, well, I didn't need to do anything then. I want to talk about developing your personal prayer life because how many people know that prayer is very important to the Christian life? Yeah, you would agree with me. It's not just something we do because we're Christians. We do it for an important reason and I think sometimes you know we it's easy to do something because someone else says we should do it but we never really ask why we know that it's a good thing to do but if someone were to okay I'm a stranger right you don't know me and, you know, I, I know, I know that you're a Christian, so, so I might say, why do you pray? And, you know, being genuinely curious, why do, why do you pray? What's, what's the reason? What's the significance? What's your answer going to be? What, what are you going to say to someone if, if they ask you? Obviously, you can't give all the reasons in, in one go, maybe. I don't know. If you're really articulate, you might be able to. Who's, who's got an idea? What would you say? Hayden. What would you say? I love how you're the first person to put your hand up. Because it's like communing, uh, communing with God. That's pretty cool. What does communion mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm God's friend. I like to talk to him. That, that's a good answer. You could probably sum it all up in that, actually. Well done. You're very articulate. It's good to know why we do things because if we don't, if I don't know why I do something, and this can be anything, not just prayer, if I don't know why I do something, I'm never going to be able to develop a passion for it. And I'm never going to become excellent at it. I'm never going to put my heart and my soul in it. I'm just going to do it because it's a good thing. But if we do it just because it's a good thing, we're not actually going to value it. Eventually, somewhere down the track... We're going to just sort of fizzle off. Well, it's a good thing, but that's all it is. So, meh, it is what it is. When, whenever there was a problem in the church, in the New Testament, whenever uh, Paul or Peter or James wrote to the church, they didn't just say, it's a good thing, do it. They went into God's character and said, this is who God is. And this is why you do it. This is your foundation. This is your standard for doing everything that you do. So why do we pray? Communion with God. That's amazing. God is a very relational God, isn't he? He's not an impersonal God. He's not someone that we can't get to know. He's not someone that we've got to earn kudos with to spend time with. Jesus earned all those kudos. Hallelujah. Okay. Thank you. Bless you, Cesar. Okay. No, I'll go back. Okay. The first one. Pretty much what you said, Hayden. I pray because I love God and I want to spend time with Him. That, that should be our number one, shouldn't it? I love God and I want to spend time with Him. He's good to spend time with. Um, but, I don't know, some years ago I had this problem, right? So I was a Christian but, and I, I enjoyed worship. I could still be expressive in worship. And I'd say I loved God to maybe some degree. But I knew there was a lot more that I needed, but I didn't quite know how to get it. I mean, how do you have emotion for someone who you can't see? Or someone who you can't physically hear, like you can hear me speaking. When I was little, 
<laughs> my parents told me that Rodney and Janitas give Natalia an olive as a treat. <laughs> and when I was little, I thought, that's so mean. Is that abuse? Olives are horrible. I hated them. <laughs> oh, Natalia, she's had a great weekend. You can ask her about it. <laughs> but when I was maybe 12, 13, I just decided I wanted to like olives, right? Because I just, it's what classy people did. <laughs> classy people like olives. You don't argue with me. Jesus prayed on the Mount of Olives on his last night on earth. It's scriptural. I just wanted to like olives. And there was a jar in the fridge. But that wasn't a good experience. I tried maybe one olive three times a year for the next couple of years. And it wasn't, each one was a terrible experience, but I wanted to persevere. Sometimes God doesn't taste good right away because you might hear something offensive or that you find offensive. But I thought, how am I going to do this the right way? Because I can't just keep eating olives straight out of the jar and say, God help me. I need to do it right. So what I started doing, maybe when I was about 16, I started having it on pizza. You have an olive with a pizza, you'll forget right about the olive. And then I started having more olives on my pizza because I got used to it. I could do it. And then I moved away from the pizza. I mean, I haven't moved away from pizza, but I... (coughs) We need Italians in this world. But I went back to the jar and I tried that and I enjoyed it. I had to start small. I had to mix it with something. And, uh, and, and then I moved to the jar and I just started having one. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. Now I have a jar. Like, now I have handfuls. I can eat olives. I think Natalia had an amazing childhood. She was raised right. Train your child in the ways of the Lord and they will not depart from them when they get older. And uh, like we have a jar in our house and when it gets down to about halfway, we've got to have another jar back up. It's just the way it is. No one lives in our houses. Times are tough. But you kind of have to do that with God as well. You can't just turn love on. You can't just love God like that. Okay, God, I love you now. You could probably actually convince yourself into it, like just like that. But when something comes along that shakes that because it's got no root, it's just going to fizzle out straight away. It'll go just as easy as it comes. It's something you've got to develop and become grounded in. Roots have to take time, don't they, to, to make a tree strong. That's what our love does. When I spend time with someone, it doesn't matter who it is, it doesn't matter if I find them to be the most aggravating person in the whole world, I will fall in love with that person because I will see their heart through all their garbage. When you spend time with someone, you will begin to appreciate them and you'll begin to know them, not at face value, but you'll begin to see their heart, won't you? And you just can't help it. You will just naturally come to love them. That's how we come to love God. We spend time with Him. I can't love you unless I know you. I can't love God based on someone else's experience with Him. I can't love God by hearing a sermon on a Sunday. I can't love God when when I see... Church is doing amazing things and I can say that's a good thing and I can say, wow, God is doing cool things. But until I have my own experience with God, I won't love him personally. Who here loves olives, by the way? Put your hand up. This is a godly church. (laughs) The rest we'll pray for. (laughs) Okay, can you guys actually see that? Okay, yeah, you can. All right, I want to see God reveal himself to other people. For that point, I actually wrote, I want to see God do amazing things in people's lives. But the most amazing thing is God revealing himself to other people. And whatever he does in other people's lives, that's him revealing himself to them. 
So that's what I want to see. That's another reason why I pray for people. I want to see God work. And I may not love God more because someone else has an amazing testimony, but what it can do in my life is I can think, God did that to them, God can do that to me. God, do it in my life. And then when God does it in my life, I can go, wow, you're amazing. And I can appreciate God more, can't I? Okay, we depend on God. So we need to pray. Uh, Colossians 4, 3 says, you know, pray for me. You know, that doors may be opened for the word. That I may preach the mysteries of Christ for which I am in chains. Paul recognized that he was entirely dependent on God and that he could do nothing without God. Prayer allows me to resist temptation. Matthew 26, 41. Um, you know, they're, in the, they're on the Mount of Olives. <laughs> and, uh, and the disciples fall asleep. And Jesus comes back to him and says, can't you just pray for like one hour? Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. When you pray, your spiritual guard goes up and you get stronger okay last one god commands us to pray 1 thessalonians 5 17 it's literally three words pray without ceasing that's without ceasing i was talking to one of my youth on friday and he said i pray in tongues in the canteen line that's cool and i come up to the counter and I'm still praying in tongues, sort of under my breath. And the lady says, what was that? Oh, nothing. Can I please have this? You know, that's praying without ceasing. That's, that's fantastic. Come on. We need to do that stuff. We need to pray all the time. Prayer is foundational to our life. It's got to go everywhere. Okay. Let's move on. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Yell something out to me. Lazy. I'm just not feeling it. I'll pray tomorrow. When we're lazy, our heart's not in it. Yeah, it's not a priority. I'm too busy. Guilt. I got sin in my life, right? I mean, I've been washed free by the blood of the Lamb, but I still do some sinful things because this still needs to conform to Christ, doesn't it? So I still do some stupid things. And sometimes there's a verse, or I can't remember if it's in Numbers or Deuteronomy, but it says, when you go into the promised land, destroy the idols that you see on the mountaintops. Destroy the, mount- destroy the idols that you see you know, in the grassy hills and destroy the idols that you see under every green tree. We've got different kinds of sins, right? We might have some obvious ones. We might have some ones that only people who really know us will notice. And we might have some sins that don't look like sins at all, that are really deceptive, that look good. You know, a green tree sin, like your mountaintop sin, maybe alcoholism or something. Everybody knows that's wrong. Don't, don't, addictions are bad. A grassy hill sin, maybe, you know, you've got a character issue, maybe you gossip a little bit that your, your friends, like, they'll notice. But then, you know, your green tree sins, I was going to say green tree frogs, but green tree sins... I could be doing a good deed, but I could be doing it for a selfish reason. If it doesn't find its origin in God, that's, it's not from God. It might be a nice thing to do and it might you know, make a temporary difference in someone else's life, but it doesn't have eternal value and it's feeding myself and I'm not conforming to the character of Christ. I got plenty of those. I just need to discover them. Lord, help me do that. That's why David said, Lord, show me my hidden iniquity. I want it all gone. Keep on grabbing this to go forward, but I don't need to. Shame. You're, or you said guilt. God can convict us of our sin, can he? But if I don't handle it right, or if I don't understand God's character properly, I'm going to turn that conviction into condemnation. And that condemnation will bring with it shame. And that shame will stop me from coming to God because I'm going to think God's a bully and that, or that he doesn't want to see me because I've messed up so bad. And maybe you mess up doing the same thing every single day. But if anyone remembers what um, Wayne Lockridge was talking about last week, Luke 15, the prodigal son. 
coming to the Father from a long way off after he messed up big to the point where he said, I no longer have the right to be called your son. And the father ran off the porch and ran to him and clothed him and put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet. And his son said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Stop. And he said, I don't care. You're my son. Let's party. You're back. We also talked about Peter coming to Jesus and saying, how many times must I forgive my brother if he sins against me in a day? Seven times. Seven times 70. If your family could sin against you that many times in a day, some of you might think that they can. It's not a challenge to rise to the occasion. If that's how Jesus tells our heart to be, how much more so is God's heart towards us when we return to him after we've messed up from something that we keep doing? Come on, God is not... God doesn't say, stay away from me for a bit, I need some time alone. God doesn't need time alone from you. He made you so that he could be with you, that you could be with him. That's, that's why he made you. If you wrestle with that question, why am I here? There it is. God wants to be with you. We don't need to let shame stop us from coming to God. That's a false view of God. God, I ain't like that. Actually, let's close our eyes right now. I want to I I kill this one. If you have shame that stops you from coming to God, whether it's something you keep doing or something you have done or something that's happened to you, or maybe you don't even know why you feel it not good enough to come to God and, and spend time with him or say sorry, then I want you to raise your hands and we're going to pray right now before we keep going. Okay. Is there anyone else? Anybody else? Okay. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I break off the shame that stops these people from coming to God right now. Lord, reveal your goodness and your character in their lives and pour your love out on them that they may understand you more and that they may come to you and run to you instead of running away from you. God is breaking that off your life right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've got one more thing to say on that. Let's go to James chapter 8 if you've got your Bibles. Did I say James chapter 8? I'm glad you know. James chapter 5, verse 8. 4. Chapter 4. <laughs> Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Notice, it doesn't say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your double hearts, purify your hearts, you double-minded, and then draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Then cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. You can't clean yourself unless you come into God's presence. So there's no point wallowing in your uncleanness because you're just going to stay like that. Jesus is the answer. Let's go running to him every time. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Don't avoid God because you misunderstand him. He is so good. He is way better than you can ever understand. Way better than you can ever comprehend. He really is awesome. Times infinity. Go and spend some time with him. All right. I can move this now. How to pray. Sometimes I hear, I don't know how to pray, so I don't. (laughs) If there are rules to it. But uh, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6. 
There are guidelines, but there's no rules. Sometimes insecurities start when I hear this person pray and they're really articulate in their prayers. I'm using that word again. And that, you know, they've got finesse and they've got a vocabulary and they're passionate. And I go, whoa, what am I going to say, God? And I start sweating. I don't need to worry about that. You just pray whatever's in your heart. You don't need fancy words. Oh, I've actually got it up here. Okay. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. <laughs> Hallelujah. For they love to, uh, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. I can't really see that very well. To be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I could just continue that passage right down to the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is amazing because it's not a list of requests that we come to God with. It's a grounding prayer that keeps Christ at the center of our lives when you look into it. But we're not going to go into all that today because we just sort of don't really have time. Uh, So we're just going to focus on this little bit here. Now, when the Pharisees would pray, they would pray in front of people. They probably wouldn't pray by themselves, or maybe the majority of them wouldn't. Some probably would, you know. Not everyone in a group is bad. Sometimes we like to label them as that, but not everybody in a group is bad. But uh, it was a practice for a lot of these Pharisees to make a show of their prayer and to not spend any time with God in their spare time and they did it for man's approval now man's approval is intoxicating it feels good because it feels like power you notice it getting praise from someone feels good because we like to be known by people but it robs us from recognizing the value of God's approval. God's approval isn't intoxicating, it's liberating. And man's approval is temporary and you've got you to keep earning it, don't you? Because it wears off. Because I'm fickle, people are fickle, our opinions, they only last so long. Our praise only lasts so long. We can't fill an eternal void with a temporary substance. But God's approval is consistent and it stays and it builds. It fills that infinite hole. And, uh, you know, when your Father in heaven sees what is done in secret, he rewards you. Now, I want to talk about rewards for a minute. So our rewards in heaven, right? Everybody gets uh, a certain amount of rewards depending on their conduct in Christ, you know, what they do for God. What we do for God, we get rewarded for. My rewards in heaven are directly proportional to how much Christ works in my life. Lamentations 3.24 says, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. How much am I going to let Christ work in my life and change me and and prompt me and lead me to do the things of God? I want rewards in heaven. Yeah, it's fantastic to have things. I want things. (laughs) Call me silly, but I want things. But the greater thing for me is that they represent how big Christ is in me. Do you know what I'm saying? Luke 6.38 says, uh, says, everyone who leaves, you know, family, friends, or everyone who's prepared to leave family, friends, home, everything behind, you're going to get paid a hundred times over and you're going to receive the kingdom of God or, or you're going to inherit eternal life, it says. So kingdom proportion, so a good deed, right? I do a good deed and, you know, the Bible says that we will get rewarded accordingly, you know, to whatever we do or whatever we give. You know, like when we come to God and we worship God and, and he gives us himself. But what God gives us is 
the kingdom of God, the proportion in the kingdom of God is very different to the way we look at proportions. God always gives us more than we give him. We can't give enough because he just gives us more. We can't outgive God. Uh, Matthew nineteen twenty nine. Sorry, that was that was the one I mentioned to you. Luke six thirty eight is. Does anyone have it? It's given. It will be given to you. Yeah, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, uh, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Um, which sounds a little bit. Yeah, contrary, because God always gives us more. But so even if I do something simple, like give a cup of water to a child or or go into my room and pray in secret because, you know, people don't need to know about it. It's between me and God, and I, I just really want to connect with God. I might be doing something simple, but what it does in me is so much more powerful. And it changes me. I probably should have asked you to keep your finger in James chapter 4 because this is the second time we're going there and we're going to go there again um, towards the end of the message. So I just want to read verses 6 to 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Actually we'll just read verse 6. But he gives more grace. Uh, John 16.33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So God gives more grace. So grace, may as well start using this. Grace is... is, uh, I don't really know how to define it, not grace, I'm going to define that in a moment, but it's sort of the same as obedience, because obedience is, it's a fruit. Now, I'll explain obedience in a second, real obedience, because sometimes we can really turn that into a works-based theology, can't we? When you put those two verses I just read together, John 16, 33, and and, uh, James chapter 4, verse 6, you can put a few others there, but grace... The simplest way I know how to describe it is it's Jesus at work in you. That's what it is. Jesus at work. Through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit shines the light of Jesus in us and and brings truth that sets us free. Yeah? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Grace is the redeeming work of Christ. That is happening inside us all the time. And we allow it to work more when we walk in obedience. Now, obedience is not the same as... Now, a works-based theology is God will love me and accept me when I perform well enough or when I'm good enough or when my good outweighs my bad, all that kind of stuff. And everybody has different standards of what their level of good enough is, but it never feels like enough because it's never enough. Can't escape our consciences. But obedience says, I love getting to know Jesus on a personal level and my lifestyle will uh, change according to his work in me because Jesus changes me every single day. And I'm going to go and do things in response because, whoa, this is who I am now. This is really exciting. Let's go and do it. Yeah, that's obedience. And that's walking and being empowered by grace, the redeeming work of Christ in us. Okay, now prayer, as seen by that verse, is a personal affair, even when it's done in public. It is a personal, private affair. If I don't pray at home, if I don't care to spend time with God, then when I pray up here, my prayer will lack substance. I may as well not talk. If my relationship with God isn't real. Now, God's still on his prayer. Maybe someone, you know, needs something, you know. God still gives grace to, you know, do things in people's lives. But if I'm praying in my spare time and my relationship with God is is growing, you're going to see it in public. You notice it in public. 
And if you're, you know, we're all called to be kingdoms and priests. So the moment you give your life to Jesus, I don't care what you think, you're a leader straight away. You're meant to lead the lost to Jesus. You're meant to disciple the people who don't know Jesus as well as you do. And you're meant to be getting discipled by people who know Jesus more than you do. So we're all called to be kingdom priests in the world. We're meant to be a light shining into the darkness. Forgot what I was going to say. I was just feeling very calm and passive when I got up here. Things sometimes change when I start talking. Yeah, my salt, as a Christian, my salt is proved in public, but it's developed in private. I need to spend time with God because I want to spend time with God. Now, it's okay to come to God with a list. Like, I'm, I'm not against that. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, and with this in mind, uh, be alert and keep on praying for all the saints. Like, you're allowed to pray for God to do things. Because God's will is active. It's not just all about get to know me. It's all about, hey, now that you know me, let's go and do this together. Let's go and work in partnership and do something. Let's, come on. Our faith, it's like it unties the hands of God and he has permission to do things. God responds to our faith and he wants us to rise up in faith and pray and intercede. God wants us to do things so that he can be at work. Imagine if every Christian prayed for things every single day. How much can God do in this world? If every church in every community was a praying church, how much could could God do in this country? How much could God do in this city? Griffith doesn't stand a chance against a praying church. That's the strongest force in the whole world. That beats any system of power that the world could ever concoct. Because he who is greater, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Let's pray that it gets outworked. Okay. I was going to say something else, but I've forgotten, so I'm going to move on. If I remember, I'll interrupt what I'm saying to talk about it. And you're all going to suffer. Or you're all going to be blessed. You pick. Okay. It's good to talk about why. But it's also good to talk about how. We sort of just did, in a sense. Or we still talked about the reason behind it, I guess. But I want to talk about, you know, just sort of ways to, to do it. Ways to pray and to become more effective in prayer. Because Peter says that you need to keep growing in these things so that you don't lose your, uh, your effectiveness. <clears throat> uh, keep a prayer diary. <laughs> They're really cool. I've started using one. Um, it's in my pocket. Actually, yeah. It's got 2019 written on it, so it starts in January. So I, I don't really want to write there yet, so I'm writing on all these other pages at the moment. But, um, you know, you, you write down what you're praying about or... I love saying to someone, you know, I love having a chat with them and I'll say, oh, I'll, I'll pray for you. And, you know, either I'll pray for them right there or, or if it's something else that, you know, I, I just want to pray into, I'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write it down for you. You know, and, and I'll, I'll write down their, you know, their stuff, their details or the situation or whatever. And it, it's, it's good because a prayer diary, you can go back and, like, say when God answered the prayer. You know, hey, hey, this God answered, woo! Testimony! You know what? I just want to share this. It's really cool. How many people know that kids can make powerful Christians? Woo! Kids can make powerful Christians. And uh, we're at youth, not uh, last Friday, well, we were, but the the Friday before I want to talk about, uh, one of our youth had a a broken wrist because things happen with Zorb balls. They're those big air bubbles that you run around and crash into people with. Things happen. Hallelujah. Anyway, he's got a broken wrist, right? He had. And um, we can't have that, can we? We just can't have that. And uh, 
got him up here. I don't like praying, really, for kids or anything like that. When people say, can you pray for me? I'll grab someone else and say, you do it. Go for it. You've seen me do it. You know what faith is? I'm not special. You got the same Jesus. He's good enough. And, uh, you know, I got some of the boys to lay hands on him and I got one of them to pray. Simple prayer. Nothing special. Ask the kid, can you feel any pain? No. No. Oh, okay. No worries. And then it's like to the kids, do I look surprised? No. Why not? God does this stuff. You pray. Nobody here is, everybody here is special. There's nobody here that is more special than the other in a sense. We all have Christ, but let's move forward in our faith and realize how powerful our prayers are. My biggest battle when I was younger was that I didn't think my prayers were powerful or effective. That's why I wouldn't pray much. Sort of, you know, you pray before you go to bed or something like that, or you say sorry for something that you did that day or something that you're going to do tomorrow, I don't know. But that's why I didn't pray. I didn't think my prayers were effective. Your prayers are powerful. Jesus is powerful. And he's in you. Okay. Read the Bible. I can't say it enough. All right, I'm going to get rid of this. Okay. Now, we've been having this conversation for a while, right? And everybody's different. Some people like to read the Bible more. Some people just like to read more. Some people like to worship more and pray more. So, in a way for me to just sort of put it into two terms, some people are more spiritual and some people are more, I'm just going to say scriptural, or they, or they lean more to scripture. Some people lean more to worship and some people lean more to, to scripture, right? Because, I mean, you do whatever works for you. We need to do both of these, but, but many times we can drift towards one before we drift to the other. Does that make sense? Okay. And I've learned that so I, I'm this one. I like to read the Bible probably more than I like to worship, but I, I, I like to worship as well. But I'll probably go to read my Bible before I turn on some worship music and, and praise God. That's just me. Some people will do that. Some people will do that. Um, but I found that if, my, if I'm going to get more out of what I'm reading, I need to have a heart of worship and, and a heart that prays. Because I'm going to be less filled with my carnality, my humanity, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to have my self-interest on hold or it's going to be quenched or it's going to be smaller and the Spirit of God is going to be stronger in me. And that way, God can speak to me more when I'm reading the Scripture if I'm strong, spiritually speaking. Now, if you drift to this more... If you want to be stronger in this and know when God's speaking to you, you need to learn to be strong in this as well. Because I can be really spiritual and I can hear things in the Spirit all the time or I can see things in the Spirit all the time. But if, if I don't know God very well because I'm not reading Scripture, I might see some really out of whack things. I might see some things according to my taint, my lens, my insecurities. I might cause damage. I remember I prophesied over someone that I knew very well. In fact, I'm just going to say it. It's, it's my brother. I prophesied over him some years ago. And I prophesied with a taint. That stuff came true. But, I, oh gosh, I said it from the wrong place and it just left him feeling so burdened and just icky. And after a few days, he chatted with someone and they said, well, let it go. And he had to let it go. And he, he told me about it recently, actually. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's not cause damage because we're aware, spiritually speaking. Let's know God. That way we can get this right. 
Because sometimes the devil can speak to us as well and masquerade as an angel of light. If I don't know God's voice because Jesus' sheep hear his voice and know him, if I don't know the voice of Jesus, then I might do something really dangerous. So let's be strong in this and let's be strong in this. And the way I found that sort of, you know, so these two are married, right? They've got to go together. You do this, it will inevitably lead to this. And you do this, it will inevitably lead to this. You've you got to have them both together. It's a, it, 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 it's a dual package. The, the way I found that w- we balance this is with obedience. We've we got to do the stuff. We got to, okay, so Jesus is showing me stuff. I need to, I need to put it into action. I need it to change. The, you're not changed until your actions are changed by what God does in you. Otherwise, you strangle what God does in you and it dies and you harden yourself against it. That's what the book of James says in chapter 1 or 2 or something like that. I think 1. So we've got to, we've got to do the stuff, but we, you know, we worship in it. Anyway, you get the idea. Obedience brings balance. And obedience doesn't just, it doesn't mean joining a ministry and going and doing something. If, if God has asked you to do that, go and do it, please. But obedience is as simple as going into your room and praying. It's as simple as that. It's as easy as saying a kind word instead of saying what you're really thinking when someone says something dumb. Let's love people. I don't know why I'm opening that. Okay, let's keep going. I'm literally two points down. My goodness, take time out. I've got a busy life. (laughs) We all got busy lives. If you don't have a busy life, appreciate that. (laughs) You know, I I mean, I've often said I'm too busy. No, I'm not. You said priorities. If I'm so busy that my busyness, even if it's all good stuff, even if it's all ministry, even if it's all whatever, if it takes me away from spending time with God, it can go to hell. I don't care about it. Nothing is more important than spending time with Jesus. Jesus himself regularly took time out to pray. Do you think Jesus was busy? He couldn't go into a town publicly without getting swamped. And once he was swamped, he was swamped. That was it. He wasn't getting away from it. Or he managed to sometimes, but gosh, it was difficult. He was a busy guy. He was doing a lot. He probably had a lot on his mind. So he had to go away and pray a lot. Sometimes he would spend all night in prayer. Now, the reason we don't do what Jesus did is because we don't like our schedule or our security or our comfort to be interrupted by prayer. We like to keep doing what we're doing. But our prayer has to take priority because we're not going to be effective or as effective when we do the stuff, you know, if we're not praying. And when, because we're not going to be as close with God as we otherwise could be. So we need to make it a priority to spend time with God. Personally, by ourselves, just me and him. It's the best thing in the world. God shows you amazing things. Shows you himself. So let's take time out to pray. Pray from God's heart, not our humanity. And here I'm going to go back to James 4. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have... Because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. (laughs) James must have just sassed people all the time. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. (laughs) I can imagine him as a parent. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. And I'm going to read 6 and 7 as well. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Prayer helps you to overcome temptation. But when we're praying, I want to pray 
according to the will of God. I can't pray according to the will of God if my heart is not aligned with God's heart or if my heart is not aligned to the will of God. My, my desires are going to get in the way, aren't they? They're going to, I'm going to pray according to what I think should happen. But if I'm not on God's page, I don't really know what should be happening. So I'm going to pray things. And if they don't come true, I'm going to say, why didn't you do that, God? And I'm going to shipwreck my faith. And I'm, it's going to reinforce in my mind that God is not good. And I'm not saying we need to slaughter ourselves and getting everything right just in order for us to pray because we need to be perfect. We don't. We just need to humble ourselves and say, okay, God, you know, what, uh, what needs to happen? Let's, I mean, praying for someone to be saved, is that the will of God? That's the will of God. God desires that none should perish. So it's the will of God that everyone should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let's pray for that stuff. That's not terribly profound. You don't need to be a PhD to understand that. The will of God is actually pretty simple, but my deepest motivation is that I should be more interested in God than in myself because at the end of the day, it's God's will to prosper us and not to harm us and to give us a hope and a future. So he's got good things in mind for us anyway. So everything I need is found in God. So I don't really need to be concerned for myself. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Let's get our heart right. Let's humble ourselves. Let's say, God, you're, you're my portion. You're my provider. You're, you're everything I need and whatever I need, you already know better than I do. I know what I want. I don't know what I need. You do. You also know what I want. Thank you for not giving me some of those things that I want. Because some things that we want can really take us away from Jesus. Okay. This one. <laughs> James. Nice one. Don't let guilt stop you, please. Do not let guilt stop you. It is unreasonable. Do not degrade yourself ever. God has made you in his image. You can come to him anytime. Get uncomfortable. Okay. This is a tough one. If I'm lying in bed and I need to get up and pray, <sighs> just do it! Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> if, if I just go, I'll just pray here, God. Thank you, Lord. You know, if I get a burden on my heart or something and I need to pray for someone or something or, or whatever, or I just want to pray. If I'm just lying in my bed with my eyes closed praying, do you think I'm really focusing on what I'm praying about? I'm just getting it over and done with. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, yeah, let's just pray and get this in. Like, let's get uncomfortable. When I make myself uncomfortable, I'm going to be more focused on what God wants to do. And, you know, sort of mixing this with taking time out. I get that we like to pray on the move, you know, because sometimes we're really busy and sometimes we just can't stop. You know, I, I get that. So sometimes it's, it is good to pray as we go. It's always good to pray as we go, pray without ceasing. Boom. But if we're doing that all the time and we're never taking time out for God or we're never making ourselves uncomfortable, then we're going to, we're not going to hold prayer sacred. It's just going to be something we do. And I, I don't want prayer to be like that in my life. Prayer is communion with God. It's special. It's the most special thing to me. So I want to pray on the move and I want to pray, you know, having time out. Okay. Shape your life around your prayer. This is a couch, right? Lord, save Griffith. movies you know like i got to be invested in what i'm praying about if i want griffith to be saved if i want my next door neighbor to come to know jesus if i want something to happen in someone's life am i able to put myself in a position where god can use me to do something about it if you can be the answer to your own prayer for something 
do it. Because that's what faith looks like. We partner with God. It's good to pray. But God needs us to do things too. Sometimes we can't do anything and, and, and so we pray. Fantastic. That's, that's 100%. That's 110%. Brilliant. Do it. But if we can do anything, do it. Because that's you walking in the faith that you are declaring to God and praying for him to do something. Because we do things, but the power and the grace of God comes behind it, and, and God really does things. Okay. What does that say? I can't see it up there. Be in community. Okay. Going back to shame and stuff like that. Sin thrives when it's concealed. But it can't hide in a community where you trust people and make yourself accountable to them and they get alongside you and support you. See, sometimes we can get so afraid that our friends are going to judge us and condemn us and make us uh, and think of us like, I can't believe you're doing that. What's wrong with you? Wake up to yourself. But we, I mean, we can't be like that. We've got to support each other. We're a family. We're, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. But over here, I meant to trust these people as well which can only happen in relationship because trust builds relationship or relationship builds trust, whatever. I should be able to share that stuff with people that I trust and that are, you know, wise in the Lord or whatever. And, and you know, that stuff strangles sin. Honesty is the biggest killer of sin in your life. You want to kill sin? Learn to be honest with some people that you trust and get them to pray for you. You've got to be in community. You can't be a strong Christian if you're always by yourself and you don't want anything to do with other Christians. I've met some. Probably some of you have too. I met one guy at Central and, oh my goodness, I'd probably rather go to a Westboro Baptist church. It was bad. People got faults. That's okay. We gotta be in community. You know, Jesus had twelve disciples with him, right? So he hung around with people all the time, but you can say, well, he was leading them. Well, he actually had three really close ones that he took with him everywhere. He had three close ones that he took on the mountain at the transfiguration. He took three into the garden with him. He withdrew a little bit further. So the whole group went here, then the three went here, and then he went there. He kept three guys with him really close all the time. Jesus had some people that he needed around him that supported him. We do too. We need people. God has called us to be together. All right. Pray together. Does it say pray together? Oh, gosh. I think I pressed it twice. Oh, no. No, it doesn't matter. Anyway, pray together. Get together with someone and pray, seriously. And, and pray for your enemies. Every time that you've come to me with something happened at school or something like that, and I'll know this, for, for the youth in the room, they've, they've heard me say this to, to people before. Every single time. I might give some advice and stuff like that or, or maybe some context or perspective or whatever, but, but I'll always say, have you prayed for this person yet that's upset you? I say that to every single one. Sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. I say, nevertheless, we're praying now. And I'm going to pray, but then you're going to pray. Because it's not just up to Jamie to pray for their situation. It's up to them to take ownership and know that Jesus loves that person and that they should actually love that person too. And pray for that person and bless that person. That God would set that person free. So I'll say that every single time. You need to pray for this person that's upset you. I want to hear you do it. Right now, let's go. Come on. Does Jesus love them? Yes. Do you love them? Do you love them? Yes. I don't mess around. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm going to finish off in a sec. But, you know, some, some things, like if what I'm saying is stirring something, you want to pray more. I mean, pray in your spare time. Dedicate a time. Dedicate a time, even if it's for like 10 minutes. 
How can I pray for 10 minutes? Ah, how about you write a list? Or you can sit there and say, God, show yourself to me. I don't care, however you want to do it. But some things that uh, we could uh, get involved with in the church when it comes to prayer. Um, Graham and Jan, I don't think they're here at the moment, but uh, they've got, they, they pray for the city on uh, Fridays. They've got a group that's going, you want to pray for the city? Come on, pray for the city. Um, we pray here on a Sunday morning before service. It's open to everyone to come and pray. It's not just for the pastor or the preacher or the service leader or, or the worship team. It's, it's for everyone. More prayer is good prayer. God likes prayer. Uh, on Wednesday nights, every second Wednesday of the month, is it? Uh, the grow groups come together to pray and worship here at the church. It's unifying and prayer is good and worship is good. That's for every grow group, but it's also for every person. And if you're not in a grow group, come and see one of us. Let's get you connected in a grow group. But we do that every second Wednesday of the month at 7.30. Is it up there? Yeah, oh, no, it's not, but 7, 7 o'clock. I should know. I do go, I promise. <laughs> uh, We've we got a prayer chain going, you know, a message gets sent out and people start praying for it. That's sort of specific requests. Um, and, and, and just for you guys to know and be encouraged by is that... Um, the executive team, so the pastors and the elders and, and their spouses, they pray, they come together once a month to pray for the church and the people in the church and the ministries and stuff like that. And there's also an intercessor team that sort of works behind the scenes that is praying for you guys as well. So there is a lot of prayer happening, but we want more, don't we? Let's learn to pray in our private time so that whenever else we're praying, it can be powerful that it can be genuine okay oh no I've finished it there I have got one more verse (laughs) can we go to John chapter 14 please verse 21 Okay. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. If I love Jesus, I'm going to recognize that his commandments are really good, and I'm just going to enjoy doing them. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus. Manifest himself to us like think about that the most important thing is that Christ is glorified in me now glorified is like when a flower is glorified it means it's in full bloom it means it's the most open it's going to get I want Christ to be glorified in me He needs to make some changes in my soul in order for that to happen. And I need to learn to walk in obedience and grace. So let's develop a culture of prayer privately and together as family, yeah? Okay, (laughs) let's pray. Lord, we want to love you more. We want to know you more. We want to see you do amazing things and reveal yourself to people around us. And we want you to change us more into your image. We want to become Christ-like. And we want to walk with you every day. Help us to put aside time to spend with you in whatever way works for us God 
May the Spirit rise up within each of us and lead the way. May we submit ourselves to you, God, that you may do a mighty work in us and may reward us both in the life to come and now. You are our portion. We want to be as close to you as possible. Help us to be a prayerful people. Prayerful children. That we would pray before, during and after whatever we do. That we would never consider it a bad time to pray. We know you're always at work, Lord. We want you to save this city. We want you to save our neighbours. We want you to save our families. We want disciples. We want to be productive, growing disciples, God. Kingdom priests. Help prayer to become a foundation in our lives.